Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. So last week we talked about the First Commandment and Cold Lazarus, which gave us some background on Carter and O'Neill and a few other SGC members. And today we're going to be talking about episodes seven and eight, The Knox and Brief Candle. The Knox premiered on September 12th, 1997, was written by Hart Hansen, directed by Charles Carell. Brief Candle premiered on September 19th, 1997, was written by Stephen Barnes and Catherine Powers and directed by Mario Azapardi. So meeting the Knox is really exciting for the larger picture of the Stargate cinematic universe. So I'm really excited to see how this unfolds with you. And would you please give us a quick summary on what happened in these two episodes? Sure. So I'm glad you say that because I did not feel like their story wrapped up at all. So um, I'm glad they're coming (laughs) back. But so in the Knox, they end up on the Knox's home world. um, Mm -hmm. And immediately on arrival, the Stargate disappears. So... Mm -hmm. They don't quite know what's going on. Uh, they get ambushed. They die, which I guess is what you were talking about with all of them dying. And, coming <laughs> yeah. back. and they come back to life and they don't quite know what's going on. So the episode is them sort of both figuring that out, figuring out what the deal with the Nox is. And also they have gotten their first indication of the gold and like how they're kind of headed in the right direction. Daniel actually remembers his wife for a change. So um, they are there sort of, this is where I'm fuzzy. They were looking into tech that exists here that could help them. That was it. Well, there was a creature there that could turn invisible. And so they're yes. trying to capture a creature to see if they could figure out how it becomes invisible to and use, use for tech. tech. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why they are there. Um, they encounter the gold. Teal'c encounters a former, they said brother, but I'm like, is that a friend? And just like a brother in arms kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just a colloquialism. Just yeah, yeah. not so actual brother. Yeah, encounters. They encounter another gold. They sort of they don't see Sheree. She's not there. But yeah, so they meet the Knox, who are these very primitive beings who master English very quickly. Um, <laughs> and by the end of the episode, realize that like they can also turn invisible. They can turn entire floating cities in the sky invisible. So maybe they're not all. All that they're not so primitive after all. Not so primitive after all. Yeah. And then in Brief Candle, they end up appearing in a on another world, which is sort of pulled from ancient Greece. Um, they witness a baby being born. Daniel assists in the birth. Mm-hmm. And the next day they realize that the baby's now a toddler. So trying to figure out what's going on, they discover that these people are being used by a gold. Yes. As like like an experiment mm-hmm. on the human aging process and that each day of their life is equivalent. Yeah. Each day of their life is five years or it's the other way around. Each five days is a year in the life. Five, five to 10 years in one day. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they live about five to 10 years in a day and they basically get a hundred days of life. Yeah. And then they die. So while they are, Learning this, they also learned that this is essentially a virus that does this to them, that was engineered to do this. And, um, you know, it passes on with bodily fluids. And uh, Jack was exchanging some bodily fluids. So Jack has, <laughs> caught the, uh, has caught the virus. And is now, because he's already an adult, uh, is aging very, very quickly. So it's a race against the clock to stop Jack from dying of old age at the ripe old age of 40. Yep. Time to have a conversation about safe sex. I uh, gotta have a lot of conversations in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's start with our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, I thought heaven would be a little more upscale. And you guessed that Sam was speaking to SG1 as a whole, um, and that Daniel was describing their surroundings as having something to do with religious references, and Sam responds with this quip. Um, so it was the, kind of the reverse, actually. Uh, Daniel says it to Sam, mm-hmm. and it's because they were actually killed <laughs> and uh, wake up in a hut, and which doesn't, you know, look very fancy Heavenly. necessarily. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, I like your your comment that you made about so about Daniel. You left me a space to like, what do you think about what it actually was? And what I said was, Daniel, you haven't spoken about your wife in weeks. When you do die, you're never seeing the pearly gates. Like, <laughs> that's not the only sin I can lay at Daniel Jackson's feet, but it's a big one. He's doing his best. Okay, he's doing his best to find his wife, but then never forget there are people getting assaulted and murdered. And Daniel's like, I don't know, it's part of their process. Like, <laughs> Daniel. In this episode, though, they directly face Apophis who took his wife and he dies like in the effort to try to defeat Apophis. I so... was shocked that he put <laughs> that much effort into getting Sheree back. <laughs> he loves her. Does he? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's so funny. It's like, it's a really big deal to find Apophis and it's kind of the perfect scenario because he's only got like half a dozen guards with him. He doesn't have a whole army and yet they're still not able to capture or kill him. Cause they know they have nine and a half seasons to go. <laughs> I know it's not going to take 10 seasons to, it can't, it wouldn't no, have lasted no. that long, but no. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Daniel really does try. He he makes an effort, and I mean, it's like in this Jack was is like you know it's, this is not our our mission. So this is in the Knox. So we're diving into the Knox now. Yeah, yeah, yes, I agree. That line did stand out to me. Where I think Daniel says we have to do something, and Jack's like, "That's not our mission." First of all, yes, it is. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> your mission. Second of all. I don't know how many times they're going to watch something go wrong and be like, well, that's not our problem. Yeah. <laughs> what exactly are you doing out mm-hmm. here? Yeah. It, so it's like they came to this planet to find this creature that can turn invisible, but they literally stumble into the one person they've been looking for. And Jack is like, oh, that's not our mission. I'm like, Did you forget? Like, technically <laughs> not wrong. Is that it's not the immediate mission, but it is the overall mission. Yeah, if you're g- trying to gather technology to defeat the gold, well, here's one right here. It's, it's not your, this isn't the battle that you're currently fighting, but this is the war. Yeah. Jack. Oh, Jack. <laughs> he needs to get his priorities straight. He really does. Yeah, I have I have a lot of I I really love this episode. The, I think the knocks are really fascinating. I do have a lot of problems with this episode in terms of like logic. <laughs> <laughs> I I yes I agree. It's fun, but a lot of questions. <laughs> so many questions. Okay, so okay, my first question is. Initially, when I was watching, I was like, okay, the the Nox are the ones who make things invisible. So the creature they're hunting cannot become invisible. It's the Nox who do it to try to protect them. Okay, fine. But I think it's more than just making it invisible. I think it must also make things intangible. Because when the Stargate disappears in that little field and they go looking for it, if it was just invisible, they should have walked into it. Yes. And when Knox and his son show up at the end, where they walk through to get to them is where the Stargate is. Like, they would have walked right, right through it. Right. So, I agree. I think it must be intangible Yeah, as well. so it's, it's, yeah. It's gotta be more than invisibility. Which just makes them, like, that much more powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but I guess what I don't understand is okay so the Nox know that people come through the Stargate looking for the I think it's what the Fenry, um, Fenry creature yeah. because they think it can turn invisible and I'm like well if you want people to leave why would you make the Stargate disappear That is not going to help people leave your planet. I don't understand the point. And like, technically I'd be like, maybe they're hoping they'll just die. 
But at the same time, like, they brought them back when they did die. So clearly that's not it either. No, I don't think they want to kill them at all. No, but I just not the wonder... Nox. So, like, had it been another yeah. being, I feel like maybe they just want them dead. But that doesn't seem to be the case at all. Yeah, I just, it just makes no sense to me. Like, why would you make this target disappear if you want them to leave? That's just going to make them stay longer. It's because they have to fill out 45 minutes. I don't know, I guess. It's like one of I those mean... things where it's like episode logic, but it's not like logic logic. I feel like it's like, it's a, it's an interesting way to start the show. Yeah. It just it doesn't just hold up. Sense. Yeah. Um, although their explanation for why they don't bury the gate does make a lot of sense. Because if they bury the gate, then the Gwold will know that somebody buried the gate. And therefore there are people there. And they currently think it's uninhabited. But now that's going to change since Apophis knows that there are people there. So now they're going to bury their gate. I'm like, okay, well, and if they come in ships, well, they, they have their sky city invisible and intangible. So it's not like the gold are going to blast them out of the sky necessarily because they won't yeah. be able to find them, but they could still raise the ground. You know, they could set fire to the planet and that would be bad. I don't. I genuinely don't know. I feel <laughs> I like it's. I feel like it's a lot of setup of concepts, and they just want to see like what sticks. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I should say we're dragging never... the writing. I want to point out I was very excited when I saw who the writer of this episode was. <laughs> oh, for yeah? those who haven't watched me be annoying on Twitter, I recently binged all of Bones, and Hart Hansen, who wrote this episode, is the creator of Bones. Nice. That made me very excited. Yeah. It's nice to see those crossovers. Yeah. It's Bones. I'm, that's not considered sci-fi at all, is it? No, it's like crime procedural. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it one day for you. you. Should. <laughs> just so I can see this this handsome man that you're thirsty. He's for. only in 30 episodes. We'll just watch the whole thing together. <laughs> just those <laughs> ones. Okay, that's fair. Just sum up the rest of it. I win. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was my that was my tangent. But yes, Hart Hart Hansen, great writer, but we have many questions. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, he may not he may not have come up with all the concepts necessarily if they just told him this is what needs to happen in this episode. You write it. Here was my question: Mm -hmm. Was they get there? And the Nox are not understanding them. And it's mm-hmm. not even like, you know, the thing that happens in shows sometimes where they conceal their ability to speak the language because they kind of want to suss you out first. It doesn't mm-hmm. even seem to be like that. It's like 404 error. They don't get it. Mm-hmm. But so Daniel just starts speaking random languages at them, hoping for the best. Yep. That doesn't pan out. And then after they die and come back mid-conversation, the main guy just switches English and he's like it took time to learn your speech and then he just moves on and then his wife starts speaking it and his son starts speaking it and nobody his wife or his daughter his daughter I don't know I thought it was I'm always confused about that because she seems too young make it makes it difficult for me to gauge how old this woman is supposed to be I thought it was his wife could be I don't know I I assumed it was like four generations like grandfather father daughter grandson kind of thing but oh i i I honestly don't know just because i think that the two middle-ish aged people are too far apart in age to be spouses but they could be spouses gotta marry one there anyway all of them (laughs) start speaking english fluently and he's just like well it took some time and i'm like it took five minutes first of all second of all yeah are we elaborating on this no but now that you say the knocks are coming back i'm like is this like a thing they can like imitate speech well that aspect of it is never touched upon again great Um, okay (laughs) so that's not a thing then some of the characters come back not necessarily we don't necessarily get to learn that much about them Yeah, I just, I feel like as a kid watching this, I was like, oh my god, that is so cool. They can learn a language that fast. I want to be able to do that. So cool. But as an adult, I'm like, "Mm, 
okay, like, even if you could, if you were insanely smart and could pick up the basic sentence structure and grammar of a language from hearing it spoken for 10 minutes, you would not know all of the vocabulary. Yes. Especially idioms. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to say, because because Jack throws out a couple and they just kind of look at him quizzically. I'm like, yeah, they wouldn't know idioms. <laughs> How would they? There's well, no they, possible way that you can guess that. In Jack's defense, they did just start spouting perfect English. So he's like, well, I guess they understand the idioms too. <laughs> it makes no sense. Because, I mean, if you knew, like if, for example, you were somebody who knew all of the languages on earth for example but you didn't know english then from context clues you could probably figure figure english out if you had all of this history behind it Especially but it's a mishmash language exactly but presumably they've never been to earth and they don't know any other earth languages so how are they able to pick up the vocabulary so quickly exactly yeah. i have no idea so cool on the surface level makes zero sense when you look at it even a little like bit closely. A <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this what happens this is what happens when you start watching it as a kid and then you go get a language degree and you're like, wait a minute. When I was a kid, mm -hmm. I used to think, wouldn't it be cool if like I went to the kind of school where every class was taught in a different language? Like I don't know if anybody's ever read, I can't remember the name of the series now. It's like the one about teenage spies. At like a boarding school. Mm -hmm. I think Allie, Allie Carter is the writer. I'll check that. But they like have a different class in every language. And at lunchtime, they have to speak a completely different language so that these spies can master it all. I'm like, wouldn't that be cool? But as somebody who speaks more than one language, that's straight up impossible. <laughs> I mean, it's not impossible, but it's not impossible, but that would be very mentally taxing. You're doing nothing else with your brain. Yeah. You're barely so processing exhausted. the information you're learning at school because you're trying to process the languages. Yeah. God, I'm tired just thinking. Just, I was, a, I was clear, right? not a stupid it kid. so well each night yeah. <laughs> doing that. I was a very, uh, I was a naive kid. <laughs> well, I mean, growing up watching Stargate, I saw Daniel Jackson and there's, um, we haven't seen the episode yet, but there's an episode where he mentions how he can speak 24 languages. And as a kid, I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And as an adult, I'm like, oh my God, that's so much. <laughs> Like, technically not impossible, but, phew, that's a lot of work. I was watching another show today where one of the characters is like, I speak four languages. And I'm like, okay, it's doable. Yeah. I speak three and a half languages, but I'm like, damn, that's <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah, that's just exhausting. And then when you think about, like, when you, if you speak 24 languages, if you don't practice them, you kind of get rusty. And Daniel is off you know, on other planets doing random things all the time for years and years. I'm like, he's not practicing all 24 of those languages. Daniel's got a lot of time by himself not thinking about his wife, so he practices languages in the mirror. I guess. <laughs> he had that whole year on Abydos. A year? I don't know how long he was there. He had um, however long he was on Abydos with nothing to do because he's a linguist and historian. So mm -hmm. he was just talking to himself <laughs> in his 24 languages. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, jumping ahead briefly to the next episode, where there's a obscure ghoul dialect on the pedestal around the statue. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and Daniel's like, oh, you say rare ghoul dialect, I say linear A. And I'm like, oh, God. Okay, so first, ghoul is like Egyptian. And now, ghoul is linear A? I'm like, this is... This is a bit of a stretch, but okay. What's linear A? It's a really, really old language that hasn't been completely deciphered yet because we don't have enough examples of it. Ah. Like cuneiform and... Right. Because there's linear A and linear B and like cuneiform, hieroglyphics. Those are kind of like all like really old languages that we haven't totally deciphered yet. The story is just changing then. <sighs> Well, like, apparently there are different forms of gold. The gold. The gold also speak 24 languages. Well, then it makes you wonder, like, okay, so did these languages come from 
Earth and the Gwold adapted them, or they Gwold's dialects that started to be used on Earth because of the Gwold presence there. Didn't the Gwold just grab and go? Normally, yes, but because Earth is like where they got all of their humans from to take to other planets, they spent considerably more time on Earth than they did anywhere else. But I'm just wondering, like, did they spend long enough there for languages to take and spread to remain on Earth? Because it seems more likely that they took the language of the people and just mm -hmm. adapted it. Because if, if they're around enough people that these languages are spreading, they would have taken those people too. They wouldn't have let them go with, like, evidence mm -hmm. of alien life, right? Well, I mean, if the locals don't think it's alien, then it wouldn't necessarily be a problem. For uh, we know that, but the gold don't. Hmm. I'm I'm just thinking. I think I think they took the humans' language and just adapted it. Yeah, maybe. There's another episode coming up really soon. Actually, I think it might be. I think it's two podcast episodes from now that deals with another old rare Earth language that another race speaks so maybe we can continue that conversation then <laughs> yeah so it's a small moment and i'm blanking on the exact context but jack says this line will get afraid to somebody at one point mm -hmm. i don't know what person was not afraid of that jack felt they should be but it's so whiny the way the line comes out <laughs> that my that nose really say peak luke skywalker delivery because he's it, probably talking to the Knox, telling them to be afraid, and the Knox are like, "Yeah, no, well, get afraid." I'm like, "Art, <laughs> you're 40 years old, Jack." They're just incapable of seeing the world through anybody else's eyes. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's the way Jack says it that I'm like, "You're not making a compelling argument." With how whiny <laughs> you sound. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're very much like. Even if the Nox are able to make things invisible, they don't think the Nox are capable of defending themselves. And it's, I mean, the Nox's opinion is just like, well, you know, maybe we don't have weapons, but we can just hide. And that's what we've been doing for literally thousands of years. And it's been working out fine for us. So and this is one of those times where I think they're right. And they don't actually need like intervention because mm -hmm. they're not calling for help. They're not asking for help. No. They've just decided they need help. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, no, if it's working for them and they don't really want yeah. your intervention, then yeah, let them be. Yeah. I mean, maybe one day the Nox will come across something that really does endanger them. And they is this foreshadow? No, not for the Nox, but kind of like for big picture, like other races who are really advanced sometimes because they're so advanced they think that they're invincible mm. and they're not always fair yeah. Yeah. um i was thinking another interesting aspect of their invisibility is that they they must be able to see each other or see things that they've made invisible because they do have because, that spatial awareness of where those yeah. things are yeah, because when the little boy Nefreyu goes missing, they know he's not there. Like, they know yeah. he's not invisible near them. And, like, the Stargate being invisible and them knowing exactly where it is to turn it back on and, like, the city yeah. and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, like, whether they can make themselves, I know it doesn't apply to objects, but whether they can make themselves truly invisible to each other. Probably not. Hmm. Not to each other. So like they see in different colors. Like it's like, it's like <laughs> penciled out if it's invisible. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we don't really ever get any more detail about that, unfortunately. Just have to imagine it. Another question I had about the logic of this episode was if the Knox don't want anybody to get hurt or killed and they are willing to step in during a fight to prevent people from fighting... What took them so long to step in when SG-1 was fighting Apophis and his guards? Because they only step in after four people were killed. 
And then they separate them and go and heal. I'm like, what took you so long? Were they just getting a sense of it, maybe? Yeah, I was wondering if they just... I mean, they had to have known that there were two groups of people there because they made the target invisible. So they had to have been nearby. Maybe they didn't grasp immediately that they were fighting and killing each other. That's my thinking. Yeah. They just they either didn't grasp what they were fighting or they didn't grasp like what they were up against if they were to intervene. So. Yeah. And maybe they just weren't worried because they could just heal them. Yeah. It's interesting like how your sense of urgency will change in something like that. It's like, well, we can heal them mm-hmm. anyway, so let's just play this out and mm-hmm. see how it ends. Well, it does make me wonder like how far gone is too gone. Because like when Nefreyu was hurt. They do have a sense of urgency, like he needs to be healed quickly, and it would take too long to take him to the city to get healed. So, I mean, it does have to be a fairly quick turnabout. But that's interesting that he was hurt, and it was a quick turnaround. They were dead, or well, mostly I mean, dead. Nefreo could have been dead. I'm not sure if he was hurt or dead. He was unconscious, so I don't know. Oh, okay. I just assumed it was just hurt. But, yeah, mostly dead. Mm mostly dead i mean <laughs> this reminds me of princess bride <laughs> that's what i'm thinking it's like they're not dead they're mostly dead. mostly dead <laughs> mostly dead is like what is it mostly dead is still alive that's still a little bit alive <laughs> which makes me wonder though then like with the whole i guess they didn't experience anything in between getting killed and waking up and they never talk about oh, did you see anything? Like, did you see a light? Or I feel like it's you know, not a you... question this show wants to answer. <laughs> that is a very big question. That's not, like, <laughs> they don't want to make a statement on that. They're already dancing around all these ancient religions. The last thing they got to do is be like, actually. <laughs> That's true. The ancient Egyptian gods were real, but also <laughs> heaven. Yeah. It's like the ancient Egyptian gods are real, but we have a Judeo-Christian concept of, of heaven. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They're not, uh, they just didn't want to answer that question. I think that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I do think it's interesting that the gold have been coming here for hundreds of years to try to get this um, creature, though. So they just need to wait there for the gold to come back and they can find Chere. They're friends with the Nox. It's easy. Well, so the Nox aren't going to let them capture the gold, so... Hmm. Okay, they don't need to tell the Nox they're there. You know what they should have done? So the Nox dude said that he sent the the gold back through the Stargate, which means he knows the gate address of where they went. They should have asked him the gate address. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) Oh my god. See, this is Further proof that they're not looking. They're having too much fun as a foursome and they're just not looking. They're not thinking ahead. Like, it's fine if it doesn't occur to me. It's not my wife who's gone missing. Yeah. Oh, Daniel. Once again, side-eyeing Daniel Jackson. (laughs) Oh, dear. Tilk gives some side-eye in this one. As he should. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one of my... One of my notes with like them getting in a fight and getting killed. My note was they are so bad at this. <laughs> Three main characters are dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um these military trained people really need to do a better job of not immediately dying in a firefight. <laughs> <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> It really is. <laughs> like, it's not just that they died in a firefight. If you're in a firefight against an enemy you have not met, an enemy you don't mm-hmm. know, I'm like, yeah, you weren't expecting it. These are the people you have, your whole mission was assembled to mm-hmm. find these specific people. Yeah. And not just the specific race of people, like literally this guy. Yep. Is the guy you are looking for. You should be 
moderately prepared to face him in a firefight. I mean, to be fair, Apophis does have a new shield technology that they didn't know about. But had so... he not had that, do you think they would have won? I don't know. Probably not. It wasn't looking good. Like... <laughs> But they were I, not you know, ready regardless. I understand Jack getting shot because he was trying to use the stun gun on Apophis and it wasn't working because of the shield. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of understand him getting shot because he wasn't expecting that. But then Sam is like, oh no, Colonel! And like jumps out of her hiding spot to go help him in the middle of a firefight. I'm like, girl, you were trained better than this. <laughs> She, you don't all, give up your defensive got, position like that they all got beaten with the idiot stick i don't know what to tell you yeah i mean i understand daniel getting killed because he his gun training was probably just point, point and shoot and he, he probably didn't get very much training yeah daniel so that's fair yeah but like like sam what, come what, on what's o'neill's rank he's a colonel right yeah colonel and a captain should know better yeah they really should and I uh, I have a few um, gripes with some technicalities in this episode. Again, I love this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's We're really here. fun. It's all love. It's all love. <laughs> However, <laughs> getting into Daniel's description of days and years it just annoys me because he wants to know how old this Knox guy is. And the Knox guy is like, well, how do you calculate time? And he's like, well, one day is one revolution of our planet and one year is one revolution of our planet around our sun. And so the Knox guy is immediately like, oh, then I'm, what, 432 years old. But I'm like, I feel like, I mean, on different planets, the rotation is going to take different amounts of time. So the rotation of one planet on its own plus around a sun is not going to be the same for the Noxus planet. So they could still be a totally arbitrary way to calculate it. This is why, for all my frustrations with timekeeping in sci-fi, this is why I think Star Wars does a very clever thing where they have galactic standard time Mm-hmm. In standard years. So whatever a season is where you come from, there is a standard method of timekeeping. Yeah. They well, need to implement that somewhere instead of trying to be like, here's an hour, an hour is 60 seconds. Here's what a second is. Like, they actually try yeah. this in the next episode too. They try to explain and Jack just cuts it off. He's like, that's not helping. And I'm like, is yeah. this why? Because of this episode? Where Jack is like, uh-uh, we're yeah. not doing that again. I mean, I guess the issue here is that there's not a governing body to issue a standard time. No, so, 100%. I didn't yeah. think I didn't think there would be. I just think this is like something with sci-fi in general that tends to stress me out. Yeah. Is that there's no standard it, method of timekeeping. Yeah, I mean, it kind of just goes back to how are they able to learn English so well so quickly? <laughs> how are they able to know... <laughs> Our exact <laughs> measurements of days and, and that's years. What, that's what happened when they learned English. They also learned yeah. what a minute, second, hour, month, year yeah. were. Yep. Um, my other thing is, so I think this is something that they were kind of like still figuring out in this episode and they fix it as the season goes on is the markings that the Jaffa have. Mm-hmm. So all of the Jaffa have a marking on their forehead which is like a brand basically. And in in this episode, every single Jaffa has their brand is gold and kind of like 3D. Like it's, it's yeah, like Teal's. Yeah. It looks exactly like Teal's. They're all like that. But later on, even in this season in this season, we established that that is only the marking of a first prime. All of the normal Jaffa only have the brand in black and it's not raised off the surface of their skin. It just looks like a tattoo. Hmm. So that was something that like going back, I was like, wait a minute. 
all of these like half dozen Jaffa all have first prime markings, which doesn't make any sense. So I guess that's something they haven't actually established yet in the lore because there's only one first prime at a time because um, it's like first in command. And so if you you'll you keep the marking like if you're first prime and then you retire, then you would keep the marking because you can't take it off since it's like a brand. But if you're not first prime, then you just have like a black tattoo. I wonder if this is this is one of those things that like lore wise doesn't make a ton of sense, but just is like one of those things born of necessity. Like mm -hmm. they gave them the gold mark just because they're like, mm -hmm. well, that's what all the Jaffa have. And then they realized from a production standpoint that they would have to make these for everybody. And then you could yeah. have large crowd scenes. So they're like, no, it's only the special ones that have it. And then. Right. Yeah. I was thinking of that too. Like it's probably like from the makeup department's viewpoint, the black tattoo yeah. would be way easier to reproduce than the. It's like. Um, gold embellishment. It's like Klingons in Star Trek. They're basically human in the 60s and then they look like Worf in the 90s and then now if you watch like Star Trek Discovery they've got a lot more makeup on and there's I think in universe reasons I'm not super well versed on Star Trek but there's like in universe reasons why they look different from era to era mm -hmm. like these people live further away and these people developed an illness and that's why they look like this but it's all down to the makeup department and budget at the end of the day all right yeah yeah, yeah that's fair yeah, so that's not necessarily a complaint. <laughs> it's, it's just, just a... funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I think I'm ready to move on to the next episode, if you are. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I have thought. Uh... <laughs> okay, what do you want to start with? So, um, content warning for rape. Um, yes. Yeah. Dubious consent at best, non-consent at worst. Uh but... Yeah. Okay. So getting into that, basically we have a situation where SG-1 goes into this town and this attractive woman approaches Jack and offers him food and the others try to take some and she's like, no, it's only for him. And so he eats the food, says, thank you. It's really nice. Yum. Um, and then he starts, his vision starts to go hazy and he starts acting drunk Mm -hmm. and, and yeah and um then the woman does kind of a what i think in your notes you call it like a belly dance type yeah, dance white lady is belly dancing it's fine yeah um, i'm sure <laughs> a lot of cultures like... have this kind of sensual dance but that's what it made me think of yeah it really did it just didn't she didn't have the belly dancing skirt on but yeah, otherwise like, there were no coins was, but yeah but otherwise it was pretty reminiscent of that um, so she dances for him and then leads him to the bedroom, communal bedroom area, I should say. Not even private bedroom, it's communal, where they have sex. And he kind of comes out of his drug state later on, realizing what's happened. So the most alarming thing about this is he wakes up and goes, what happened? He's yeah. asking that he has no idea, no memory of this. Yeah. Which, okay, so this wedding cake, because it is a wedding cake. She tells him yep. that, like, in, in the custom of their people, he's had the cake, they had sex, therefore they are married. Yep. So Jack doesn't know any of this. I yep. don't know if she realizes he doesn't know this. I'm going to assume she didn't. I don't think she does. Under dubious consent as opposed to non-consent, yeah. but because she doesn't realize he doesn't know what's going on. Right. I think if the cake has intoxicating properties and you're a man in this culture, you know that. Yes. So when you get married, you, you eat this cake knowing it is going to intoxicate you and knowing that as part of the ritual tonight, you're yeah. going to have sex. Yes. So you... you, you even even though it has intoxicating properties, you're making an informed choice to go ahead with it. Yes. Jack doesn't have that information. Yeah. Well, so I guess in her defense, she doesn't know that he doesn't know. So she yeah. thinks that he's consenting. Yeah, which is why I'm like, it's dubious because we know he's not yeah. consenting, but she didn't realize that. 
Yeah. Still. It was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. I think I, I honestly didn't think about it as rape until reading your notes on it. I'm like, you know, that's a, that's a really good point. Because, I mean, she has the best of intentions. She really does. Like, she thinks that she's legitimately marrying him and they're going to start a family together. And she thinks he's on board because he accepted the cake. Uh, but so everybody else tried to take it, too. And she had to tell them it's only for him. Right. If they knew what the deal was, they wouldn't have tried. Hmm. Yeah. I honestly think this is a byproduct of it being 1997. Probably. And like them not thinking that men can be raped or assaulted. I don't know. Because like the way it is um, shot, he appears to be, he's on top. I wasn't looking that closely. It's fine. I'm not having feelings about Richard Dean Anderson. Um, He's on top in like a in charge position. Mm-hmm. So it's very clear from everybody involved that they don't see it this way. Right. It's just how I see it. And you see it. Yeah. In 2022. Yeah. I mean, not to throw shade, but this episode was co-written by Catherine Powers, who wrote Emancipation. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Catherine Powers, we need to talk. I don't want to lay all my problems at Catherine Powers' feet, but there's some questionable stuff going on here, Catherine. Yeah. Kathy, come on. That, so the whole dubious consent thing, plus at the very beginning, when they come through the gate and there is a woman giving birth and her husband is like, can you please help? I don't know the like the magic of birthing or the birthing mysteries or something like that. And I'm like, okay, so great way to unilaterally promote the idea that men don't know anything about the woman's body, you know? Okay. Mm. Like it's we're incapable of having <laughs> man midwives. What's it? Is there a term for that? Mid- I think midwife is just the, the profession. Okay. But yeah, I did put in my notes. I had to take a CPR course a few years ago, mm-hmm. like a CPR first aid emergency course. Mm-hmm. They teach emergency childbirth. Not in what I've taken. I'm what kind of course did you take? My course. The regular CPR and first aid course. I think the Canadian ones are more extensive than the yeah. It was like <laughs> U.S. ones. It was like how to give how to give birth how to assist someone giving birth (laughs) in an emergency yeah so i'm not sure that mine covered that if we if it did it didn't go into very much detail oh it was was like this was like a grand total of maybe 20 minutes of this course and it was in the book but would you but the military should be trained that's the thing if you're sending them out especially because they're not being sent out on like frontline active combat they're being sent Mm -hmm. out specifically like on more of a i don't want to call it outreach but like they're not going into a like an active conflict zone you think they would have like some idea of like basic medical stuff including childbirth because you don't know where you're going to end up yeah for sure i yeah i think so too kind of like how flight attendants learn the basics on how to give birth in case somebody yeah, <laughs> somebody goes into labor on a plane. I, mean, I would think that the military would train the basics on childbirth in case they're in a foreign situation and there's a woman who happens to go into labor. I think any um, profession where, yeah, where you are around somebody who would potentially be giving birth, they would at least teach you the basics, like yeah, where to tie it off, where to stand, what she needs. You yeah. Know. Yeah. And of course, like all of the men immediately look to Sam and she's like, I don't know how to do it either. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, don't necessarily rely on the woman to know how to help somebody give birth. <laughs> you should all know. <laughs> like, like Sam should know, but I mean, they also, the others should know too. She's got a vagina, so she knows everything about childbirth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So we have a few questions for Catherine Powers, but yeah, um, we got a lot of questions. But, <laughs> but there was some really cute. I really, I thought it was adorable how, like, when the little baby was born, Teal was immediately ready to give good wishes. He was like, "May you be blessed with many years of," and he gets kind of cut off. But I'm like, "Oh, Teal!" <laughs> I love him. I love such a soft spot for him. He's the teddy bear of the group. He just doesn't want to admit it. <laughs> He's got a tough exterior, but on the inside, he's so Listen, squishy. Let me I I am weak for a tough exterior with a squishy interior. <laughs> it's true. He's just he's such a sweetie. He is. I want him to hold the baby at some point. I think that'll be very funny. Hmm. Well, a girl I'm can do. Sure I'm not sure if we ever see him hold the baby. That's a good question. It's okay. That's what fanfic is for. We do see him with children sometimes. I'm just not oh, sure if it's ever a baby. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get some we'll get some um, character development for him pretty soon. So I think in like two episodes time, something like that. Two or three episodes time. So the big uh, race against the clock thing in this episode mm -hmm. is Jack aging very rapidly. Um, yes. I love old Jack because he <laughs> inexplicably so has an accent that Richard <laughs> D. Anderson doesn't have otherwise. Yeah, I couldn't sure what he's doing. Where it was, I'm like this, is like vaguely, like when somebody not from the South is trying to sound like they're from the South, like that's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> You're actually from the South, so maybe I'm wrong, but I did not hear a Southern accent. It, it wasn't like an explicit, it was like when somebody who isn't Southern is trying to sound Southern. Yeah. That, I mean, it, I guess it could sound like a cartoon terms... character to me. Yeah, because he was like, okay, what would I sound like if I was old? And maybe he thinks of old people as like sitting on the front porch drinking sweet tea. And that's I, a little bit Southern. It's like some, yeah. I can't even do the impression, but he he sounded like a cartoon character. <laughs> And he started acting very differently too. Suddenly he was a lot more like grumpy, aggressive and grumpy and like <laughs> extroverted. <laughs> like, I don't know. Where very sassy. Well, I guess he's already sassy, but I feel like he was even more sassy than normal. He lacks the inhibition of youth. Yep. Yeah. He really played up like all the stereotypes of like getting <laughs> old. The other thing, not to jump around, but the other thing uh, was you know, the whole mystery surrounding like the fact that this is a virus created by mm -hmm. the gold and that these are people are basically being used as like a living science experiment. Uh -huh. When they like grumpy Jack yells at them all for, for worshiping this God who doesn't exist. Cause it's really just the gold. Mm -hmm. And he's like, can't you see you're all his slaves. And you made a point in your notes, which we can come back to about how hard it is for them to accept that a hundred days is not an average lifespan. Uh huh. But they all come around to this idea of we're slaves extremely quickly. Yeah. Like the couple who, who they help deliver their baby. They're like, well, then I will be a slave no longer. I'm like, it has been five seconds. <laughs> well, maybe you think about it in terms of they learned about the time passing thing first. And that was really hard for them to wrap their minds around it. And then hearing the slave thing they're like okay this kind of ties in with what you were already telling us before we're open to new ideas now okay that's fair but yeah i i was just thinking about like how i don't know if like it's not really traumatic but learn like thinking that you only have 100 days to live and then learning that you could potentially live longer you could live thousands and thousands of days that would be like a completely surreal experience. Like, how would you conceive of that? That would be like somebody coming and telling us, you know, 80 years is not a normal human lifespan. 800 years is. I, you know, I like what know if somebody came and told us that? Like, like we are part of an experiment. And 80 years is cut short. We're actually supposed to be 800. Like, I mean, how would you even <laughs> cope with that information? I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like so any really answer I'm thinking yeah. of is immediately contradicted. Like, 
I'm thinking, you know, to them, a hundred days, like assuming their concept of a day is roughly equivalent to, to our like 24 mm. hours to them, a hundred days is a lifetime. Then finding out that yeah. they could have hundreds of those lifetimes yeah, is inconceivable to them. But then a hundred days isn't like objectively very long. Yeah. But also if that's all, you know, then it must seem like a good long life. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, if we think 80 years is normal and we're told it's not, but then even that me would... thinking like 80 years is so long and like life is tiring and like it's the grind and it wears you down and mm -hmm. all of that. And I'm like, okay, but if you lived 800 years, it wouldn't necessarily need to be that way. Right. So anything I'm thinking just immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm thinking like if, if everything was like slowed down by about, mm -hmm. you know, 10%. Mm -hmm. or, I can't math. It's fine. Um, I'm thinking like, you know, people having children in this 800 year hypothetical scenario and like it takes 20, 20 years or whatever, 20 to 40 years for your baby to become an infant, to become a toddler. Like that's exhausting. Well, it's like baby Yoda. It's like Groku. <laughs> How he, he's 50 years old and he can say like two words. I'm expecting not to go on a baby Yoda tangent, but I'm expecting him to age very quickly. Like past, mm. like past like the 150 year mark, suddenly it just like picks up. Like it's a really slow toddler ship and then it just skyrockets. Cause like, yeah, we've seen Yoda in other stories at like, I don't know, 500, 600. Mm -hmm. And he's like a full grown adult. So yeah. Anyway, that's baby. Yoda. So how would you feel if you were baby Yoda? um well no i don't know would have burned down that jedi school a lot quicker let me tell you that um, anyway for more of my baby yoda opinions check out our star wars podcast space waffles yes space waffles is great i do recommend one like random thing that i was thinking about too was if they only live a hundred days I'm surprised at how much they're able to accomplish, like how many like nice clothes they have and they have so much food. I'm like, well, I mean, I guess if they have normal crops and, and the crops are aging normally, as long as people tend to them every day, then it would still be yielding enough food for them. I mean, they don't have a huge population anyway. Yeah. But then they must spend, like, so much of their lives cooking. Unless I mean, they, too, have a class system. They have, like, people tending and cooking and doing all that for them. I don't think so. We never see any evidence of that. Because, I mean, it's a fairly small town. And they say, like, our creator gave us 100 blissful days. And they are all working and living in harmony all in the same place. Unless the, the gold who oversees them for those hundred days like drops everything off there like a hundred days worth of crops of food of whatever. but he hasn't been back in a really long time oh, like he hasn't been right, to this right, planet right. in hundreds of years yeah. so they've got to have some self-sustaining crops going on it's true i think a hundred days in terms of crop if the crops don't share their rapid aging mm. thing that's one cycle I'm not a farmer, but like it's one ish cycle, right? Uh, I mean, it depends on the crop. Yeah, like one cycle, maybe two. But... Well, I mean, some plants can grow pretty big within just a few weeks, but other plants take several months to grow. And then I don't know what the climate is like on that planet. If they have winters where nothing grows, then where do they get their food from? Unless it's just the same all year round. Yeah. I mean, it looks pretty balmy. She was running around in her belly dancing bikini. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe it's just that nice year round and they have a constant flow. It did seem like they had some seafood. So, I mean, because they the, they're on the ocean right there. Yeah, nice and easy to just. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> it's watching this episode, it's like, right? how do they feed themselves? <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about like how if they don't, like, just thinking about. <sighs> Like making flour and grain and stuff. Like, do they have a technology to do that for them? Because they would be spending so much of their very short lives 
making basic things like bread unless they have some technology to do some of it for them they must yeah i wonder if like whatever tech they have is like what the what the gold left for them initially yeah. he set them up with some really good like really good appliances food, with a great warranty food preparation technology yeah. <laughs> that's the only way it doesn't make sense otherwise. I think it's one of those we're not supposed to think about it. Though. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to think about it this much. <laughs> Just like them showing up to these perfectly English-speaking people. Yep. Who? Okay. Yeah, you just you just really can't think about it too much. I laughed when uh, they got to the the house where the Stargate is held, and the guy was standing there, and then his wife goes into labor and she starts screaming, and they all run with their guns uh-huh. out like see what the matter is. I'm like, no, 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 somebody's in distress. I don't know why you're responding to this. Because like, <laughs> they don't normally. Because <laughs> they don't normally. I'm like, aren't you supposed to go the other way and say, just leave it. It's their way. <laughs> or tell the dude, well, if you don't know to ha- how to help your wife give birth, that's not our problem. Yeah, like, just <laughs> deal with it, buddy. Like, Also, we don't have time to get to the village. I've seen garages bigger than that village. <laughs> Granted, the house town. it was attached to was quite large, but I've still seen garages bigger than the village. <laughs> well, I mean, there's only like 50 people on that planet, so yeah. I'll get very to be. very quickly. Well, they don't have a very long life, so they don't have much time with which to get annoyed. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Um, I did really like oh, what is what's the name of the woman that he marries? Kinthia. Oh yeah, yeah, that Jack marries. Well, ask me why I was thinking of Teal. I'm like Teal didn't get married. <laughs> um, so Kinthia, I thought it was so sweet how she was still devoted to Jack and still loved him and wanted to share the wedding bed with him when he was really old and gross looking they're very cute yeah she was so sweet and so i mean the whole dubious consent thing is gross but i mean she does seem to really love and care about him which is nice i hope she finds somebody with the long life she has ahead of her right yeah i was wondering that too i was like i mean because i mean i'm assuming that you know they only ever get married once and have one to two kids and she was already 31 days old (laughs) getting up there in years yeah and she didn't get pregnant from what if she did (gasps) i know i was thinking about that (laughs) jack and kinthia writers if you're listening um drop those links i want to see yeah, that a thing. Should, I don't we should start writing fanfiction. I'm just assuming this is as uh, <laughs> the, the volume is the same as like other fandoms. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I mean that would be really fascinating. Like, give him another chance at being a father. One thing I was hoping they would ask and they didn't is when they were asking sort of how quickly do people age and how old are you and how old is Kinthia and. I was kind of hoping Daniel would ask how long a baby gestates for. Yeah. I would just like, it doesn't change. I'm assuming, I'm assuming one day based on the fact that it goes from baby to toddler to like five-year-old to 12-year-old day after day. I'm assuming she was only pregnant for one day. Can you, can you imagine though? Like, I mean, that'd be a great pregnancy. No, but it's the whole thing in one day. Yeah. That'd be great. Get it over with. No. That would cause so many problems on Earth. <laughs> Can you imagine how many how many babies some people would have <laughs> if they only were pregnant for it? <laughs> cranking them out. The ones that have like 20 or 30 children would have like 200 children. <laughs> oh dear. I'm I'm looking for fan fiction to see what these is. <laughs> gonna subscribe to this one okay you. you finding um, anything with kinthia in it no because i don't know how to spell kinthia but i did find a sandwich i can find out how to spell kinthia because i have a 
there's a website that has all the transcripts. So I can look up the spelling for you. Kintia, K-Y-N-T-H-I-A. Oh yeah, okay. Here's the ship tag. There's only two. And neither of them are. Oh well, okay, hang on. No, see, nah. There's two that have this ship tag. Yeah, that's right. But they're both spoilery at. enough that I want to click them. Oh yeah, I can click them. It's fine. Here, let me send you this. Oh, link. these are some interesting pairings. Okay. Although this is interesting. There's more than two. Like there's one that just Jack and Kintia? Yeah, it doesn't have the tag. It doesn't have the tag together. So there's one that's the SGC receives the message that that Kintia is about to give birth and requests the presence of the father. Okay. I've seen one that's called Five Children That Were Never Born to Members of SG1. Yeah, there's that one. The one I just read is Happy Father's Day. And then there's Five Times Jack Has to Explain His Relationship. That one has the Kintia Jack. Yeah. In it. Ooh, this one called Something of the Host Remains sounds interesting. It's a rewriting of the first season of SG1 from the perspectives of both marginalized and prominent women. Ooh, I want you to send me that one, please. Okay. Okay, we've gone off the rails. I think we need to finish this episode. <laughs> I just wanted to see if there was dirty Jack and Kintia pick, honestly. Well, I, I'll uh, I'll look into these, I guess. Okay. I'll let you know. Because I want you to read spoilers. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, even though there's, I have lots of questions, I did generally enjoy this episode. It was fun. Me too. Yeah, had good steaks. Pretty yeah. locale. Wedding That's cake, good, I don't know. Good tension, some good humor was resolved pretty well. Sam's immediate determination to save Jack's life. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my ship. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm allowed to dream. Um you are. I don't know. I'm like it it's picking up steam a little bit now, the show. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it, you know. Well, I'm glad. Getting into our kind of wrap-up section, I don't recall any instances of two women speaking together in either of these episodes. Not unless um, Sam, I can't remember the name of the lady who gives birth, but un- unless Sam like said something comforting to her while she was like supporting her back, that would be the only instance I can think of. And even then, I think mm-hmm. mostly both of them are speaking to Daniel. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like Brief Candle at least did have like a greater quantity of women with speaking lines. So that was good. And they actually like played a prominent role. Yeah. Which was good. Because the the other one woman in the Knox didn't speak very much. No. But that's because they had the Star Trek guy there. So he was taking up all the time. <laughs> the Star Trek guy, the main guy, the main Knox guy, was, <laughs> okay. a, was on Star Trek. So I'm like, oh, Star Trek guy. Okay, he was I on um, either Next Gen or Deep Space Nine. I think it was Deep Space Nine. Okay, maybe both. I don't know. Well, do you have any final thoughts on these two episodes? Nothing spicy. I enjoyed it. Holds up. It's good. Yeah, the stakes are getting stakier. The plot is getting plottier. Yeah. And we'll remember it as Sheree, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. I do feel like um, a good thing for them to keep in mind is maybe don't immediately jump to eat the food and drink the beverages that you're offered on an alien planet until you know for sure that they're not going to do I mean, they didn't technically... Well, I guess the, the food was drugged, so I mean, it didn't like poison him or anything, but... But also, like, they're from Earth. Hades and Persephone is a myth everybody knows. She (laughs) ate the pomegranate. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, good for her. But, like, just saying, it's not like there's no precedent. Yeah. This kind of thing. Yeah. Gotta be a little more careful on what you eat and drink on foreign planets. Yes. Yeah. Even if you think the people are good at heart. They're eh, not. You know, it might be drugged. (laughs) you never know you never know (laughs) okay so next week we're going to be watching episodes 9 and 10 which is Thor's Hammer and the Torment of Tantalus and you're welcome to watch along with us 
both episodes are very exciting for the big picture of Stargate. I'm really glad that like we landed on both of these episodes together, um, which we'll see why later. Because it's going to build a foundation for stories to come. It's very exciting. Okay, are you ready for your next quote? Yes. Okay, it is... You must leave without me. If I stay, I will remain safe. Okay. I'm torn. I'm torn. Okay. It's definitely not Daniel, Sam, or Jack. Because lack of contractions tell me it's not any of them. Interesting. So my initial thought was Teal'c. Because I'm thinking that's the fourth member. If it's not them, then it's Teal'c. But you being like, these are exciting for the bigger picture. I'm like, what if it's Sheree? <laughs> and they actually find her and Daniel actually speaks to her what a concept and they try to get her out of wherever she is but like it's not working for some reason like either because of the parasite or because somebody's watching or because they'll be able to like find the queen like they've separated the queen from her brain or whatever so she can be herself mm-hmm. um, so she's like no 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 figure it out like how to separate this and then come mm-hmm. back and get me but I'll mm-hmm. be safe in the meantime so that's my first option and the one I'm going to, like, really go with, but, like, barring that, it's probably Teal. Okay. Contextually, I have no idea. Somewhere. <laughs> well, give us something. Give us something for context. I, like, I don't know if he ends up in, like, a cluster of either other gold or, like, I don't know if this is my horny fandom brain or if he's just, like, around somebody with, like, the hots for him. And they're like, this is weirdly intense. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> just leave me here. <laughs> pick me up later (laughs) it's either or okay sure why not less of a basis and is more just me going so i mean cast a wide net and maybe you'll catch something those are my two very out there guesses watch (laughs) watch it's neither of those and it's like o'neill or something i don't know okay well we'll find out next week (laughs) (laughs) so that's it for today if you want to talk to us about stargate you can find us on our podcast twitter page at wormhole waffles you can find me on twitter at chelsea fairless arzu where can everyone find you you can find me on twitter at arzu amin and you can find the geeky waffle on twitter at geeky underscore waffle we are the geeky waffle on facebook instagram tiktok and youtube and we are the geeky waffle.com that's where we have all of our reviews all of our shows all of that cool stuff chelsea writes there i write there and uh we are also on patreon patreon.com slash geeky waffle and that's where we have things like our waffles after dark in case this all wasn't right. for you <laughs> yeah. this is like a, a very mild taste <laughs> of the waffles at 5 p.m yeah exactly we're <laughs> We're getting a tiny, a tiny bit spicy, but not fully there yet. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the Mid Horizon.